When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, England cruise into the World Cup final, smashing India at the Adelaide Oval last night. Yes, welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. Our World Cup coverage continues. I'm Menas. I'm joined by Paul. Wow, what a demolition we saw of India. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a bit of a goose. I think in our um, earlier shows, I've made a, a a point of saying that it's an absolute 50-50 affair, these two semifinals, and I expected them to be both close games. Well, uh, the first game wasn't close, and then this last game was, an, as you say, um, uh, utter demolition. Yeah, and uh, there's one moment for me that just sums up how bad India's night were night was in the the ninth over of England's batting reply. Butler hits a ball down to fine leg, I think, and then Muhammad Shami runs across. Uh, picks the ball up and goes to, and you would think goes to throw it in and we'll just get a regulation single. And yet for some reason, I think because it was an AFL ground, he sort of hand tried to hand pass it to one of his teammates and it just sailed over his head. So the ball ended up 30 yards from the other fielder and the England batters, Butler and Hale ended up running an all run four from a, what should have been a, a regulation single. And for me, that sort of comic moment just sums up, it just all went wrong for India last night with the bat, with the ball, the captaincy, nothing went right. Wasn't even a legitimate hand pass. The umpire ruled it a throw and gave England a, um, a free <laughs> kick in the forward in the forward pocket and they um, duly put it through the big sticks for six. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that was our AFL talk for the season, listeners. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I broke my own rule there. <laughs> uh, Jaleesa will be loving this if she's listening. Um, how's, the, how's the Rugby League World Cup going? Anyway. Um, so let, let's start with the game. So England won the toss and they sent India in. Um, I thought a good decision to to bat second. And India ended up making 168 for six. But with six overs to go, they just got past 100. And I thought a bit like New Zealand in the first semi final, just way too conservative. Rohit Sharma made 27 off 28. Virat Kohli made 50 off 40, which was probably a bit slow if you look at the way Butler and Hales went. And, you know, I was sort of thinking in the 14th over of the Indian innings that even if they finished at 12 and over, which they did and got up plus 160, that still wasn't going to be enough at the Adelaide Oval. And I was proven right. Just a, a very perplexing batting performance. 
Well, I've, I've been reading some of the press coverage of it today, and they are criticising India because I know England won the toss, uh, but India said that had they won the toss, they would have batted. And they're sort of saying that this World Cup, Adelaide Oval was a bat-first pitch in a day game, but that the lessons from Australia's game against Afghanistan needed to be learnt, that Australia was trying to score quickly in, in, the day night, in the night game when they batted first, but the ball just wasn't coming on. Yet then in the second innings, it, it kind of, um, it did start to come onto the bat a little bit more. And I, I think the, the ominous sign for India was, ironically, the fact that Hardik Pandya was able to score at a strike rate of 191, um, 63 from 33. Him doing that at the end, although it hoisted them to uh, a competitive total, it made it clear that, geez, um, maybe this pitch isn't, it, it either isn't as bad as India thought it was or it's no longer as bad as India um, experienced it as being. Either way, it was going to be bad for India. Yeah, Rahul Dravid said after the game, and you know you've had a bad performance when the coach is put up instead of the captain. So Rahul Dravid did the press conference, and he said the wicket was a little bit slow when they started. But I, I actually think, it's it's wrong. I just think India got their tactics wrong, a bit like New Zealand the night before. They weren't brave enough. They weren't um, risk. They didn't take enough risks. You know, Sharma and Kohli, even after that first wicket, they needed to be more aggressive in the power play. It set them behind, and it meant that Butler and Hales, when they walked out to bat, they knew if they had a good power play, they would essentially win the game. Little um, sidebar trivia question for you. I think it might have been the 97 Ashes, but I could be wrong. Um, there was one point where the Aussies had such a bad day. Do you remember who they set out for the press conference? No, who was it? Errol Alcott, the physio. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Neville Oliver on ABC Radio just fuming about it. <laughs> Huda, always good to hear from Huda. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharma did not look happy afterwards as well. Um, so I, th- I thought it was a really good England bowling performance. Um, Adil Rashid um, was called out by Butler is leading the attack. He bowled four overs, one for 20. That's an economy rate of just five runs per over. And and he really constricted India in those middle overs. And um, as I said, just didn't allow them to get away. And, and they left their assault way too late India. I mean, had they gone from say the, the you know, the 11th or 12th over with wickets in hand, maybe they would have got that one eighty one ninety score. Yeah. And not only did Rashid bowl, um, did he um, restrict them, but he got the key wicket of Surya Kumar Yadav. Once he was out, um, that was a real big blow to them because he, he looked like he was just about to start motoring. And I think that one of the TikToks that we actually put up just before the World Cup was us um, criticising India for the fact that Hardik Pandya wasn't getting enough of a go because he, they did this in one of the warm-up games that um, Pandya came out and hit the, the last two balls of the innings for six um, and batted brilliantly, but it wasn't enough for, for India on that particular warm-up game. I think it was the first, um, uh, the first T20 they played against Australia. So, um, yep, that... They, they really should have got him in higher um, because I think that Rahul, Sharma, and to an extent, Kohli were always going to play that way. Yeah, Pandya played really well. 63 off 33, four boundaries, five sixes. It really gave India a, a total, you know, that was sort of half respectable, although it was under par. Um, for the other England bowlers, uh, Josh Butler said in the press conference he was really impressed with 
Chris Jordan's death bowling. So Jordan bowled three overs straight at the end and ended up with figures of four overs, three for 43. And, and Butler said, although Jordan went at 10 and over, that's actually probably par at the end of a T20 innings. And he thought he, he that last over was excellent. Um, so, yeah, I just thought Jordan bowled really well, as, along with Rashid. And they just kept India to 168 for six. Yeah, big game for Jordan back in because of the um, the the injuries to, to Woods. So it'll be interesting what they'll do. Um, I'm not, not sure if Woods is going to be up for the final or not. So it'll be interesting if he is, who who, like, who, who they will pick in the final. Um, I think we were very positive about the pitches in this tournament. I think that both semifinal pitches were a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, you say that, no, you don't agree with the fact that India's um, found it harder by having to bat when the pitch was a little bit tackier. But I think there is something to it. And I think that that's, uh, that shouldn't be the case. In, in, I know England went along at 11 and over and they were very, very entertaining. But um, I think that the fact that it was a used pitch ultimately was, uh, I think, disappointing. And I don't think they should have done that. Do you think there's anything to the theory that they did used used, used wickets in the semifinals because there were teams from the subcontinent competing? You mentioned that the other night. Of course there's not. There's nothing in that theory. So do you think it's just a case then of, uh, you know, it's a busy tournament. Obviously there's only so many wickets they can use and they just end up for the two semifinals not having fresh wickets? Yeah, I mean, look, I can never say never, but I'd be if it, if it came out and it would come out, I think, if that was the case, because the, the groundsman will be copying a little bit of um, heat for this and ultimately maybe it would come out that that was the case. And if that was the case, then I would be, you know, utterly so disappointed I wouldn't be able to put it into words. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, what I guess was disappointing is if you think about that first pitch at the Sydney cricket ground where New Zealand and Australia played, there was pace, there was bounce, there was a lot of runs scored at, um, by New Zealand that night, not Australia. Um, but y- you'd prefer a pitch like that in in a semi final, you know, pace, bounce, excitement, than you know a sluggish pitch. Absolutely, and the template pitch was the India Pakistan pitch in Melbourne. That was brilliant. That was one where there was re- real swing early on, and there was really opportunities for the bowlers. But then the the batters got full value for their shots, and um, I think the Perth Stadium pitches have been excellent as well. And up till now, as you said, the F the first SCJ pitch was good and. Uh, some of the early Adelaide pitches, I think, were pretty good as well. Agree. All right. So India finished one sixty-eight for six. When the between innings, how do you think the match was sort of sitting there, Paul? Oh, look, I I thought that it was going to be uh, England were on top, but I gave India a real chance of winning. Um, I, I thought that you know seventy thirty something like that. Uh, but obviously, in hindsight. Um, Given the, oh, I think that what I said about the pitch, I think was quite quite true to an extent. And given the way that, as I said, that Pandya batted, that uh, England were clearly, obviously, a, a better chance of that. Now, it would have been interesting had uh, England lost an early wicket, um, what would have happened. But I, I yeah, I think that clearly, um, England were more on top than I realised. And boy, were they ever! England smashed none for 170 in exactly 16 overs to chase down the target. 
Joss Butler was 80 not out of 49 deliveries with nine fours and three sixes. Alex Hales, 86 not out of 47 balls with four fours and seven sixes. Incredible um, opening partnership, the highest ever in T20 World Cup history, surpassing the the partnership we saw between Rizwan and Barbo at uh, last year's T20 World Cup for Pakistan. Just an exceptional batting performance. And a lot was made after play, Paul, that the experience that Butler and Hales have playing in the Big Bash really helped them uh, with the conditions and the fact that Hales has made a Big Bash century at the Adelaide Oval uh, meant they knew the conditions really well and assessed that if they had a good power play, they'd be cruising from there. And boy, did they ever. Yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt that they've had lots of big bash experience. Although, by the same token, if they're saying it was a pitch that was um, a little bit subcontinental in nature, then the value of that experience is a little bit lessened. But yeah, um, what a what a redemption for Alex Hales. There was that f- funny scene, and you can make more of it than there was with the interview the other night where uh, Owen Morgan and he were captured um, in the same interview, but not looking at each other. And I think it was just more that Owen Morgan wasn't getting a chance to ask him any questions. But uh, for someone who was uh, completely on the outer of the England setup and looking like he would never play again. He wasn't actually chosen in the squad, but then Johnny Bairstow had that freak accident to now come in and play uh, a, a match-winning innings like that in the semi-final of a World Cup is 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 a pretty big turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. So to give you an idea of the difference in the power plays, uh, India they were one for thirty-eight after six overs. England were none for sixty-three. Hales brought up his 50 off just 28 balls. Butler brought his his off a pedestrian 36 balls. Uh, England brought up their 150 in the 14th over off 83 balls. Just a very dominant performance. And I echo your sentiment sentiments about Hale. I mean, he's been a, such a strong performer for England in the last three games. Uh, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the decision on why he wasn't allowed to to play for England for the last few years. I've got some idea that, you know, there's a pretty strong personal beef between Morgan and Hales. But, um, yeah, I'm really glad he's back. I'm really glad Hales is back. I don't, um, you know, the little bits I've dealt with him with the Sydney Thunder, he's fine. He's fine around the, the plates. And just that batting was exceptional to watch. And, yeah, I, I just – they just blew India away. Um, What did you think of the Indian bowling Well, um, you know, it wasn't – it's hard to be too critical of it because they just got hit by a, a steamroller and um, some of, sometimes these sorts of th- things happen in, in, T20, in T20 cricket. But, um, you know, um, for, for all of the, the good things that have been said about the Indian bowling going into it, um, it was really, you know, all of them going 12, 13 and over with the exception of um, Akshar Patel. Um, and Ashdeep Singh, two overs for 15 is not too bad. Yeah. I mean, it's a horrible night at the office. I think that's all you can say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Rohit Sharma criticized his bowlers afterwards. And look, I don't think Bhuvaneshwar Kumar had a great night. I think Muhammad Shami was a bit off the pace as well. His three overs went for 39. Uh, Ravi Ashwin, two overs, none for 27. He got pasted. Uh, Pandya. Um, blew up at that fielding. Um, he was trying to get the crowd going at some point. Pandya was trying to get all the, the the passionate Indian supporters behind them and didn't work. His three overs went for 34. Um, so in the end, I think the injuries to the bowling attack 
from India maybe did come back to bite them a little bit in this game. If you know that had all their first choice bowlers, uh, might have been a different story. But Rohit Sharma blamed the bowlers afterwards. I'm just like, why? Like you were 20 short, and you know, I think overall the batting and the bowling, apart from Pandya, has to take the same amount of blame. Yeah, I feel for him though. That you know, I don't think we can fully understand the pressure that he's under when you when you lose as an Indian captain and the performance is going to be slated and regarded as insipid, then it mustn't be a very nice place to be. And I'm sure he genuinely wasn't happy with the bowling performance. And you you know, it was a pretty pretty um, shambolic affair when India when England went along at that rate without losing a wicket, that really shouldn't happen. Um, so I can understand why he's criticising them, but maybe in, in, in a few days he'll wish that he hadn't. But I think that, yeah, it's just a disaster for him. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, I mean, you could say Sharma set the tone with his laborious innings up the top. Um, all right, so we have a repeat of the 1992 50-over World Cup final, Paul. 30 years later, England will face Pakistan on Sunday or Monday, depending on the weather. Who knows? Keep your fingers crossed for some sunshine in Melbourne across the two days because it's not looking good. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. My early feeling is, Paul, that England go in as strong favourites after the dominant performance they show, but really very little separates these teams. Yeah, I think England, I wouldn't say strong favourites, but I would say that they go in uh, as favourites, but... 55-45. Uh, I think there's every chance that Pakistan can win. Uh, obviously, the big thing is the weather. Also, the pitch. Hopefully, they can if they can produce a pitch that was similar to the Pakistan-India pitch, then I, I think we could see a, a, a wonderful final. I think that would play into Pakistan's hands as well, but I don't think it would disadvantage England. Pakistan's bowling has been the highlight of the tournament. Their fast bowling especially, they've all been economical. Their spinners have done well. And as everyone's now saying, with the fact that Babar Azam and Mohammed Rizwan finally showed some form in the semi, added into that the um, the arrival of Mohammed Harris, who wasn't in the squad um, before the before the tournament, and now is their best batter. How, how typical of Pakistan is that mm-hmm. to, to unearth someone like that, or to to pick someone like that at the last minute? Then they're you know they're absolutely uh, firing, but so are England. England have played pretty well throughout the whole tournament, but finally last night they put together you know, the the absolute dream performance. So they're firing as well. And I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, the weather. Now, I'm looking at the the app that I trust most for the weather right now. The If you take it from this app right now, we might be okay. Because at 7 o'clock, when the game starts on Sunday, they're saying a 32% chance of rain. And that rises up 37% at 8 at 9, 46% at 10. That indicates, if you just take that literally, that we'll be okay. But if we had to, um, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't put your life on that because there's certainly a possibility of rain. There's rain around. And then the next day, uh, what time's the, um, what time's the kickoff for the the following day? It's like in the afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, they were talking about a three o'clock, but then I did read reports um, last night. They were thinking of adding some more flexibility allowing them to play any time from three that day right up to the evening. They should just stay there all night. Yes. Like if, <laughs> if at 4 a.m. on Monday morning it gets fine, like let's just do it. Um, but yeah, do like a charity a- sleep out, you know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> That'd be awesome. 
Um, yeah, the rain is bad on the Monday, but three o'clock is the first hour where it dips below 50%. And then it does look like it's fining up for the evening. So um, on that and that alone, I'd say we might be okay. Uh, but you, you wouldn't, you, everyone would be a bit nervous in Australia because it'd be so embarrassing if the final is rained off and the, and the reserve day is rained off and we've got a stadium down the road four kilometres away with a roof on it that they're not going to be able to use. Yeah, please, please don't let that happen. Uh, Paul, I, I'm in this situation where I'm not sure whether to go down for the final because of the weather. So I've, I've got to kind of weigh up a few things today. What would you do? Um, well, I mean, I can tell you what I am doing. I'm not going down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but not because of the weather. I, I was almost set to go down and then it just wasn't going to be logistically feasible. Um, but in your situation, I think you should go down. Um, mm. Definitely go down because uh, it'll either be, the weather will either not intervene or even if it does, it might make it even better for you to go down and um, soak it all up. Because if, if you get hour upon hour upon hour on Sunday and then hour upon hour on Monday in the press box with all these people, you, you know, you might get some, amazing guests for the podcast. You might get in a punch up. Anything could happen. It'll be memorable. Okay. Well, Paul said I should go down. All right. We'll see. Maybe I'll I will make it. Yes. Well, she's on board. So <laughs> see how we go. Oh, well, who's not on board? Just you. Because you're uh, scarred because you went down for the Australian game and it got rained off. Yes. I'm a bit worried about that. And could the fact that it's, you know, the forecast is so bad for two days and, you know, I could end up being there till like Tuesday or Wednesday trying to get back. Um, Anyway, we'll see. People don't need to hear more about my travel plans, but hopefully I'll make it down. Um, I have such fond memories of that 1992 World Cup final um, where we saw the fantastic Wazimakram turn the match against England all those years ago, dismissing, was it uh, Alan Lamb and Chris Lewis in consecutive deliveries? And then Ian Botham shortly thereafter, I think. Um, yep, that was, a, that was the game where... Uh, was it was it me and dad and um, Imran went at a snail's pace and then finally at the end accelerated and uh, got Pakistan to like 240 or 250 or thereabouts? That's right, yeah. And I think Wazim Akram made a quick 40-odd at the end to yeah. give the innings a bit of a kick. And Wazim's coming on the show in two weeks to talk about his new book and um, well, all sorts of stuff, judging from what's come out of the book. It should be a fun interview. Yeah. <laughs> definitely all right everyone well unless you've got anything else to add paul i think um just thanks everybody for listening we're, we're super pumped for the final we'll obviously be back to review it um congratulations to both teams i also want to congratulate the indian team and the indian supporters they have made a significant contribution to making this one of the best well in my opinion the best t20 world cup ever the indian fans have, have lit up the australian stadiums um sure it was a dis disappointing performance at the end but you know i just loved what the team and the supporters brought to this tournament and uh yeah it's made me desperate to to get over to this to india and watch some cricket there i agree 100 percent that that i couldn't say that better and yeah um anyone from the ipl wants to sponsor us to go over there for for six weeks or so then uh, get in touch Yep, or the Australian Test Series over there, or the 2023-50 over World Cup. You know, Cricket Unfiltered's a free agent, so get in touch, we'll, and we'll be heading over. Um, we'll go there or, for the Ranji Trophy, if you want. Yes, and actually, it was an interesting question. Just uh, Rahul Dravid was asked, you know, would 
it'd be good if some Indian players were able to come and play in the big bash. And he said that because of the clash with the Indian domestic season, he's worried that it'd strip a lot of players out of their Ranji trophy comp and therefore jeopardize test cricket. So it's kind of the, you know, the similar argument that we have for our players going to the IPL and leaving the Aussie season early. Just interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's academic, obviously, because the BCCI have just said no. But if, if one day they did allow it, then India would sort of start to grapple with those same problems that other countries are fighting. And I think there would be um, uh, the best of both worlds, that you could get players you know, like Surya Kumar Yadav coming down here and a few of those guys who probably don't really need to be playing uh, Ranji Trophy matches. So uh, oh, it would be great if it could happen. Yeah, get Sky to the Big Bash. And, uh, yeah, on the next show, I really want to talk to Paul about the expansion of the IPL that's going to happen in a few years, which could mean the IPL begins in late January. So that could really um, cause chaos with the Australian domestic season. But we'll talk about that in the next show. Paul, thanks very much again. Um, We'll catch up soon. Listeners, uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, tell all your friends, and enjoy the final. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.